Hello coaches and welcome to the final episode of season four of the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. Today I interview Ryan Kachera, who is the head women's tennis coach at UW-Milwaukee. He started his coaching career right out of college as the head women's coach at D2 Minnesota State. Within one year, he had turned the program around with several players breaking school records and receiving conference coach of the year honors. In May of 2022, despite his young age, UW-Milwaukee offered him an interview for the head coaching role, which he aced and was ultimately offered the position. Ryan just wrapped up his first year at UW-Milwaukee and the Rising League and has an incredibly bright college coaching future ahead of him. In this podcast, you will see why Ryan is rising up the coaching ranks at a rapid pace. He's very clear on his coaching philosophy and he shares some great takeaways for coaches to consider as they start planning for the 23-24 college tennis season. Ryan Kachera, thank you for joining me on the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. Hey Dave, uh, I'm just grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. So based on what I know, you graduated college in 2020. Uh, you've already served as the head coach at Minnesota State for two years, now one year as the head coach at UW-Milwaukee. Why did you decide diving into a head coaching role instead of a kind of the more traditional volunteer assistant or assistant coach was the best way to go for your career? You know, Dave, it's, it's, that's a really funny question because, right, 2020 was the pandemic. I was uh, a college athlete at, you know, Grandview University in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, I was 21 years old at the time still. And I, I didn't really um, know what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a GA or an assistant coach, work on my master's. Um, I, I wanted to do a master's in sports psychology because uh, my undergraduate education was in psychology. And obviously, mm -hmm. I love tennis. Um, I, I didn't think head coaching was a possibility. I, I really didn't. But um, you know, I, I just, I, I went out and kind of did it the old fashioned way. I was sending emails. I was calling people, reaching out to head coaches, ADs, going through, you know, the classifieds, the, the NCAA website and, and not a lot of stuff out there because, um, I was doing this, you know, in 2020, right. Spring of 2020, but, um, Minnesota state had an interim head coach at the time. And I emailed him asking if they had a assistant coaching position or a GA or something, because they have a great sports psychology program. Mm. Um, and they said, well, actually we don't, we don't have a budget for an assistant, but we are looking for a head coach. And the position had been open, I think eight months and they hadn't found anybody. And so uh, I got in touch with the athletic director and uh, I think it was, it was actually before the pandemic, February, January of 2020. Um, after practice one day, I just drove up there. I drove four hours and I met with the AD. He took me around. He basically told me kind of the situation. Um, you know, there hadn't been a lot of success recently in the program. Um, not a lot of athletes on the roster. Um, you know, and, and the, the budget for a head coach was not, was not astronomical. So, um, you know, they just, they wanted someone who was a go-getter and someone who wasn't afraid. And, I basically just said, if you'd have me, um, I'd love to interview officially. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit and I didn't hear from them okay. for probably a month. And then about a month into the pandemic, I got an interview. Um, I actually was going up against somebody. I didn't know this at the time, but I was going up against somebody who had head coaching experience at the college level. 
Hmm. Um, and, you know, but then I got a call on my 22nd birthday, um, you know, offering me the job. So, uh, I, you know, it's kind of a funny question, right? Like I didn't necessarily choose that path. It was the path that kind of came, yeah. came open for me, but I, I recognize what a unique opportunity it is. Um, again, I was the youngest head coach in the country in any sport for a while there, mm -hmm. um, at any level. Um, and you know, I'm an all in kind of person, just go for it, like be fearless. Um, don't be afraid to fail. So, um, so I just said, Hey, like, this is an amazing opportunity. Not a lot of people get this opportunity period. Um, especially at 22 years old, barely 22 years old. So I just knew it was too good to pass up and yeah, that's how I'm here now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's amazing. And like I said, it, the path kind of chose you a little bit and you're continuing that journey and, and will for many uh, decades to come. But so what key attributes, visions, set of experience did you share, you know, with, with that initial administration? Like you said, initially, you didn't think you were going to head to head with anybody, but you beat out somebody with a lot more experience and probably age uh, on you. Um, so you obviously did something uh tremendous in that interview and then a couple of years later still at a very young age uh convinced uw milwaukee to hire you as the head women's tennis coach so what uh, why do you believe you were successful in in your bid to get both of those positions yeah i it's, it's such a great question i think um everybody has a vision when they when they go after something right of what it's going to be like or what what they want from it or where they are going to take the place. Um, but it's about really just being, you know, being confident in that vision and then also um, being able to articulate it in their language, learning about what the institution values, about, you know, the successful programs in that institution. What are they like? What are they, you know, what are those successful head coaches like? What a, what's the mission statement of your athletic department and how does that align with the vision you have for that program and really making sure that you can show them that, Hey, I have this vision. I know, I, I know I can do it. It's not, I think I can do it. Like I know I can do it. Mm -hmm. And, and this is how it aligns with what you guys believe in. Right. Um, I think it's just the fact that I had a very diverse, even at a young age, a very diverse background in tennis. Um, I basically taught myself how to play tennis as a kid, um, you know, hitting off a wall, reading books, um, I didn't have the country club background, but, um, you know, even while I was in college, I was the, um, director of junior performance at a tennis club. Um, I worked, I mean, I worked 40 hours a week teaching tennis while I was in college. I worked with, um, you know, I worked with some division one players. I worked with some, some guys who had a world ranking at one point. I, I, I mean, I also did everything. I also, you know, uh, adult leagues, I did junior stuff. I did, I did just about everything. Um, and then I was also a, a student assistant for the women's team. Uh, while I was on the men's team in college, I was a three-year captain on the men's team in college. Um, so I had this kind of like, I had never been a college coach, but I had this diverse set of skills. Yeah. And I believed that if I put them all together, um, you know, that they would allow me to be successful. Um, the other one is just from my background of, uh, of psychology, of just believing in a holistic program. Um, that, that in order to be the best version of yourself as a human being, but also as an athlete, 
you need the mental, the physical, and the emotional component. And it needs to be worked on every day. And it needs to be ingrained in what you do. Um, and and uh, the last thing is I, I always talk about with my team being an and person. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of people can be tough or they can be kind. You know, they can be flexible or they can provide good structure. Mm -hmm. They can be a player's coach or they can hold their, their student athletes accountable. Um, and I've always talked about those things don't have to be at odds with each other. Yeah. Just because they're naturally, people will naturally lend themselves one way or another um, to be the best version of yourself as a coach and to have the best program you can have, you need to be an and person. Um, and I've always been very clear about my, my striving to do that at all times. Um, so that was, I mean, those were, I think the main things, just having a lot of preparation for those interviews and in that, um, in preparation and believing in yourself, um, that what I have, uh, what, what my skill set is, is, um, something that would provide value to the university and to the student athletes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I would say. And, and what I, I talked to, um, my sports supervisor about this, kind of what he said that, um, you know, made me successful in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you say it, it, it sounds very believable, Ryan. So you, you know, the, the fact that you're thinking in these terms, I'd imagine as administrator, understanding the modern day student athlete, you're right. You, you have to kind of operate in that gray area. If you're too one way or the other, it's probably going to lead to, to issues and, and the program not being as successful as it can. And I think the, the modern day coach and the future coach is going to have to be able to be a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, that's, that's easier said than done, but it sounds like you're, you're striking that balance or trying to on a daily basis, but, you know, that's probably again, a big reason why you made such a, a quick turnaround at Minnesota state. You're already thinking deeply about these things. You went from 11th place to third place in the conference in just one year. And I know you have a list of successes there, you know, on and off the court, um, we, we probably don't have time in this, this podcast to go through all your successes there, but pretty amazing to hear what you did in such a short period of time there. But what are some things that you learned from that process at Minnesota, Minnesota State in terms of turning around the fortunes of a program that you're now trying to apply to UW-Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean, such an excellent experience there to go from, I mean, you know, we had, we were two and 16, I believe our first year, um, to breaking the program wins record in a year. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that we did there that is kind of the basis of every program and every team that I have now is creating a mission, um, and, and uh, creating a, a positive community, a, a selfless environment that's, that's built around that mission. Um, every team has goals, right? Every team, you know, you're going to sit down, you're going to set goals. We want to win the conference. We want to do this. We want to, you know, whatever. Um, and those are amazing, right? You need to have goals. But um, in order to really create the environment that you want and to create, um, you know, something that you can be successful and you can find things in your control to be successful with no matter what is, is you need to have a mission. And you can find success every day 
going after that Michigan mission and that success breeds more success. Um, you know, it, it's, it's finding that mission based around, you know, positive energy, always giving your best, um, finding a way to support one another, um, and then having intention for each day. Um, you know, ev everyone works hard. Like you get to the high levels of, of anything, everyone works hard, but, but do you know yourself well enough to know what I need to do to get better today? Um, and what do we need to do as a team to get better today? And always talking about, right, especially with this generation of student athletes, always, always never forgetting to go over the why and, and over explaining the why and, and just keep going back to the why. Why, why are we doing this? Why, you know, why are we doing so much strength and conditioning in the fall? Why are we for the third day in a row working on this thing or the third week in a row working on this thing? Right. It, it, and never forgetting and it, never being able to explain it to, you know, there's never too many times you can explain something um, because if they understand why things are important, they're going to give more to it and they're going to learn more from it. Um, I think the other thing that we did super well at Minnesota State I, that I, I just am so grateful for is that we built a community of support around those student athletes. Um, it was a program where I think at times the student athletes had not felt super supported, um, you know, and, and so making sure that, you know, when we have our vision and our mission, we are number one, sharing it with everyone, whether it's that strength and conditioning coach, the athletic trainer, the people in the community who play tennis. Um, but then also it's about making them a part of that vision, you know, showing your strength coach, um, you know. I, I mean, I, we got a strength and conditioning coach who was a part-time guy, who was a football guy, who had never been on a tennis court in his life to, to the point where he was traveling with us in the spring. He, you know, was in our, all of our staff meetings. He was, you know, it, it, this is a guy who went above and beyond like what was required of him because he believed in our vision. He believed in our mission and he felt like he was a part of it. And he saw the impact that he made on our student athletes. Um, it was the same thing. I had two volunteer assistants. I didn't have a budget for an assistant coach, but I had two volunteers that like really felt like they could make an impact on our vision and our mission and our goals. Um, and, and, you know, they, they had a, they had a say in what we did. It was a community of support. Um, they weren't just ball boys or hitting partners. Like they got to, you know, use their skill sets. Um, because everybody brings something to the table. Mm -hmm. Everybody, you know, whether it's your number one player, you know, you know, your freshman who's just happy to be there, your um, everybody brings something to the table. And if you if you really value those things and you help them make that contribution, I think, you know, I think that just um, that just builds. It, it's just about building and building and building. And uh, I think the last thing I'd say is. Uh, not being afraid to make mistakes and not being afraid to lose and not being afraid of, of, you know, of trying things, mm -hmm. um, you know, and not, especially creating an environment where your student athletes aren't afraid to make mistakes and they can use those mistakes as learning experiences and that they're just, all they're doing is being willing to go on that journey of self-growth and self-awareness mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and losing, sometimes losing is the best teacher. 
I, I mean, I don't, I hate losing. I hate it. <laughs> but the best things that have happened to me have usually come from times when I've lost or times when we failed or times when I've made a big mistake. Um, and, and just, you know, making sure that we learn from those mistakes and, and then we, we, we use them, you know, we gain confidence. You can gain confidence from mistakes. I don't think people realize that if you, you know, that thing that you learned in your memory bank as painful as it may be, you can use that and, and allow it to make you more confident and more determined. Um, so I think, we, you know, those were the three main things that we really created in our environment mm-hmm. um, that allowed us to just build momentum so quickly and, and just keep and keep building. And, and, and it has, con- you know, they've done such an incredible job at Minnesota State to continue that. Um, the student athletes and the staff there now, um, you know, and keep building that. So, right. uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. So, yeah, I just talked about hating losing and, and uh, you're obviously a, a great competitor and, and strong competitor, but, you know, you, you had to deal with a losing season your first year there, uh, had to deal with a losing season this year. I know my first year as a head coach, I had to deal with the losing season. It's It's not fun, but it's part of the process. But how are you maybe taking some positives away, let's say just for this year, you, you had a losing season. What positives are you taking out, out of the year? Yeah, I think, I think it's an excellent question because we would all love to be winners all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, right. My job is to be a winner to a certain extent. I mean, it, it really is. I, I view it that way. Um, but, you know, I think everyone can be, positive. They can be growth oriented. They can be um, working hard. They can be coachable when they're winning. Um, But true champions um, on the court and in life are are those that can believe in themselves, can continue to work hard, can stay consistent, stay in the present. Um, That's something we talk about all the time, staying present. and just keep responding to adversity when it happens, even if it keeps happening over and over again, mm-hmm. um, even when they're losing. It, it just that those are the true champions. It's not the teams that never lose. It's it's the teams that respond when they take those lumps. Um, and it's just as we say to we would say to our athletes, you're not defined by your win loss rec- record. You're you're defined by um, how you work every day, how you believe in yourself, how you treat other people. Um, and, and are we honoring our mission, right? Creating that mission and, and truly honoring that and, and working for that every day. And so, you know, we lost when we lost in the conference semifinals this year. Um, obviously, we didn't accomplish our goal of winning the conference tournament, qualifying for the NCAA tournament, um, which I think is a goal that I imagine many, many coaches out there, right, are, have and share. Um, but we talked about our mission of always putting the team first, of always being there for each other, of always going on a per- personal journey of self-growth and working to be the best that we can be on and off the court. And so we could say that we were successful and truly say that, right? And not just say it in a make our, to make ourselves feel better kind of way, right? To say it in a way that like, how, where did I start as a person, as a tennis player, and where did I end? And did I do everything in my control each day along the way to, to get to that point? Um, and, you know, and we, we can truly say that and, and look, you know, look ourselves in the mirror and say, yes, we did. 
And, and so taking those positives, continuing to learn from those, you know, from those losses, um, you know, and so that's, you know, that's really, that's really what defines success for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just making sure that they're always going on the personal journey of growth, no matter where it is. It's, um, I think sometimes it's harder to go on that personal journey of self-growth when you're winning because it's easy to gloss over things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, well, I won. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to forget those stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we, we did an excellent job of going on this personal journey of self-growth because we, um, we grew in wins and we grew in losses. Um, and it didn't matter what the result was. Obviously we worked as hard as we could to achieve the results we wanted. And we did everything in our control to achieve the results we wanted. But at the end of the day, as much as we would, as coaches like to say that the results are in our control, they absolutely are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something I struggled with at first, especially the first year. Um, was I was like, what, like, I would beat myself up so much. of like, what can I do to turn this result around? What did I do wrong to, retru- to turn this result around? Well, Augustan has won 132 conference matches in a row for a reason. Um, like we just couldn't return that result around, but, but what did we do in our control to be successful on that day and to compete as hard as we could and to work, to be the best person we could be the best competitor we can be the best tennis player we can be in that moment. Um, you know, the, the last thing is, is just making sure that you understand where you are in your process as a coach, like um, in your first year, uh, everybody is starting over. Even your fifth year senior who's been here much longer than you have, mm-hmm. um, to a certain extent, they're starting over because you're having to learn. There's new people, there's, there's new processes, there's new um, there's a new culture, there's a new habits. Um, right. And, and so everybody's starting over in that learning process to a certain extent. Um, and just understanding that there are going to be different kinds of challenges in that first year than there are in any other year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what, you know, we're kind of at that time of year again, Ryan, right. Where, where, the merry-go-round of coaches, you know, jobs start opening up, jobs start getting filled. Uh, you went through that process last summer. How, you know, when you arrive on campus, you already have a good sense of it through the interviewing process. You're, uh, you're preparing for it. You know some of the strengths and the weaknesses, and you've presented your vision, so you have a sense of what's possible. But how would you advise a young coach who's going to get hired as a head coach this summer to start laying the foundations for long-term success, not just what works in the first three months, but okay, what do I need to get done here in this first year that sets this program up for success from the second year through the 10th year, whatever it is. And then also, how do you prioritize? Because it's like, okay, I've got these five foundational things I want to implement. How would you prioritize which of those things to get started with and in what order? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I think there's no 100% answer that's bulletproof for every situation. Um, the, number, the number one thing that I would start with, no matter where you are or what your role is, is building relationships everywhere um, and, and building genuine relationships, not the transactional kind. Um, you know, going to everyone in your department, just with the mindset of what can I learn from this person? Mm. 
because if you really sit down and listen to people, they will tell you, you know, they'll tell you the truth about what whatever is happening in this in this place. What 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 are the strengths of our place, right? What what are we doing really well here, and, and what are the areas where, okay, this could use some work or this is um, an impact is needed here, um, and and show people that you value them number one for who they are, not just for what they do or they contribute to your program. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't just happen in the department. It happens all over your campus. It happens in your community. If you, you know, if you're at a club, it happens with the people in your club of just working to establish a relationship right away and know that that, you know, make sure they know that your relationship is important, to, like their relationship is important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, number two is is making sure that you keep repeating your vision. You You don't get so caught up in the the first three months type of stuff that you forget to tell them this is where we're going and, and finding ways to make them a part of it. Finding, finding the strengths of the people that you're around and saying, well, I think this is how you can help us get there. Mm. Um, you know, and, and then from there, it's, it's really, um, I think the place to start as far as whatever your wanting to do whatever your five-year plan is, your one-year plan is, is starting with your strengths. What are my strengths? What are the quickest ways that I can make uh, concrete impact, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, if you're, that, if you're that person who's a really good fundraiser, start with that, make some progress. Um, if you're that person who just, like, I think I can really do, do something with player development in year one, like, make sure that you're, you know, leaning into that and, and making sure um, that you're have an excellent plan ready um, for player development, that, that you establish the identity of your program based in your strengths as a coach mm. um, right away, um, while also trying to make small incremental progress in, in every area. Um, find a small win. Find a, just start. I think the, the biggest thing is it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, we all try to do things and, and we all want to be excellent. I mean, I'm certainly, um, I get caught up in this a lot of like, I didn't, I don't think that's going to be good enough or what if this goes wrong or right. I, I see every angle. So um, what if we do this event and this happens and this happens and whatever, like just do the event, mm. right? Don't be afraid to fail at the event. Like you learn from it. If nobody shows up, okay, well, let's, let's figure out why. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or, Oh, this was weird or awkward. Like, okay, but like, We'll just fix it next time, um, you know. And and throughout that process, I think the other part of it is um, working to create a a system um, or a structure to everything you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, those two things kind of maybe go at odds with each other. If you, um, but you know, it's part of being an and person. Is like, don't be afraid to just dive in. But while you're doing it, like, let's start to come up with, okay, this is a system of how I can do this better next time. This is a process, a step-by-step of how this can go well, whether it's recruiting or it's, you know, match promotions or social media, or obviously, you know, the, the easy one is a system for player development. And, um, you know, cause that's when you're working with the athletes, I think it's, it's important not to forget, um, like when you're starting, how do you set up a, a, a culture of success, um, that not just lasts in that first year, but how it lasts forever. Um, and it's, you know, it starts in building a collaborative environment with that mission. Um, 
It's about just being consistent in what you value as a coach. Okay. If, if the athletes know what's expected of them and they know where, where your values are, um, it's easier for them to go to, you know, go to work every day to meet those expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's setting a foundation where people are just, you know, working on the mental, emotional, the self-awareness component of, of their, of their journey, of their personal journey, um, and how those things are related to each other. Um, how mental health, self-care, emotional health, how emotional awareness is connected to how you perform on the court. Um, and then it's, again, it's, it's giving them a clear identity, um, of how you want to play tennis. Um, like what's our identity as a team? What's our structure? How are we going to play, train, prepare for each match? And why is that going to make this team successful? It's not about why that made some other team or your last team or whatever. Why is it going to make this team successful? Um, you know, in creating that structure that allows for their identity to, to come to play, because I think a beautiful thing about tennis is um, there are many ways to win a tennis match. And many of them are oftentimes the way you play is often related to who you are as a person and your identity. And it's a form of self-expression. Um, so leaving room for that, um, but also creating a, a system um, and, and making things, allowing them to know what, what our basics are that we need to be brilliant at. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I say to them till they're, till they hear it in their nightmares, um, be brilliant with the basics and just helping be super clear about what those are every single day, technically, tactically, mentally, preparation wise. Um, and, and just, if you start with those things, I, I think you just, your progress is always happening. Mm-hmm. whether it shows up in the results or not. Um, you know, and then it's, it's really, you feel like you're working in the same way with the athletes on the court, but also off the court with everything that you're doing um, in all the hats that you wear um, because you're going about things with the same process, with the same mindset. And you're, you're no longer focused on failures and mistakes. You're just focused on you know, small things, you know, small results and learning through it and, and just continuing to grow through it. Yeah, that's great advice, Ryan, and, and really hope uh, any first year coach this summer listens to to what you just shared with them, because I think it's easy as a first year head coach to be very reactive. And I don't think you were reacting a whole lot this year. I think you have tremendous clarity on what you were trying to accomplish in terms of those foundations. And that makes the job a lot easier, a lot more enjoyable. Maybe that first year, um, you know, it's tough regardless, but I would imagine um, without reacting to everything, uh, the, 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 the role has been a lot more fun for you over the last several year, uh, several months and, and will continue to go in that direction. So, um, Ryan, you're, you're a member of our USTA ITA mentorship program this year. You were matched with Joey Scrivano, who's the head women's coach at, at Baylor and has had a tremendous career. He's been on our podcast as well. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that relationship has developed and a couple of key learnings you've had from your time with Joey to date? Yeah, I mean, gosh, I I think that first, I just want to say that people are everything. And I am so grateful for all the people that I have in my life, not just Joey. Joey's certainly one of them. 
and, yeah. and that relationship has helped me tremendously. But um, I would not be where I am. I would not be the coach that I am, the person that I am without all the relationships that I've built along this. I mean, relatively short journey, but it feels mm -hmm. like a long journey. Um, you know, just from every stop, right? From my time in college, from my time as a junior pro to to my first year at Minnesota State, through through, I've just every person I've met, I've I've just learned so much from. They've been people have been so kind and helpful to me, um, and that's I mean that's the way the relationship started was Joey was just super kind, open, and helpful with me. Um, and so, um, that made it really easy for me to just be honest and vulnerable and really just keep asking questions all the time. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, uh, being a tenacious learner, I think is one of the best qualities you can have in life. Um, and, um, Joey is, is so open and honest that I just, I could tell him, Hey, I, I think I screwed this up. What do you think? And, and then really listen. Okay. Well, um, I had this situation and, and whatever, and, and, you know, it's all, all mentor mentee relationships, friendships, whatever are a two way street. Um, and I have to give him so much credit and, and, and gratitude that he was willing to take so much time to always just be willing to answer my questions and, and, um, but also just share stories. Like sometimes I didn't even have to ask and he would just share what he's going through and, and really listen and understand how you can you know, put that in your mental bank or apply it to what you're going through in the moment. Um, you know, I, I think that that was what allowed the relationship to to start off really well. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I kind of and, and our missions really aligned. Um, I mean, he truly is an incredible teacher and developer of young people, not just of, of athletes. Um, and so the, you know, the biggest I think the biggest thing was that and then uh, Again, as I as you can probably tell from this, I'm such an all-in kind of person that um, I got the opportunity. They started their preseason before we did, so I asked him, Joey, like, can I come down and just observe and see what you do and and experience it? And he was so welcoming. You know, he let me stay with him and and be a part of all of his stuff. And you know, from his coaches' meetings to his trainings to um, watching their strength and conditioning to um, you know, watching him scout opponents and, and, and do things like that. So, um, just, I mean, being there and seeing how diligent he is in everything that he does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing I love that he said to me that I don't think he'd mind me sharing is like, I always under, operate under the assumption that I could be wrong. This is a guy who's, who's been doing this for however many years he's won big 12 championship after championship. He had an NCAA champion he, he's been to two final fours and he's still operating under the assumption that he could be right that there could be something he's missing mm -hmm. and, and and that he's always trying to grow and, and learn something more and um but at the same time trusting that system that he's developed and that um understanding that that system is going to work and and um having that balance being that and person of trusting your system trusting the work you've done you know, trusting his preparation because his preparation is second to none, but also always making evaluations of where can I be a little bit better? What's something in my control that I can, you know, that I can level up or, or make 1% better. Um, and just also like, again, he's such an and person. He, he's, um, you know, he, he does such an excellent job of, of being, you know, a role model to his student athletes 
but also being super personal and just being a good guy to be around and um, how professional their environment is, um, how, how professionally they train and, and, and work and, but also how they have fun and they're positive and, and there's, you know, it, it's still fun to be around. It was fun to be around them every day. Mm-hmm. And that's what I strive for my environment to be like. So to see, you know, the way that he worked that way. Um, I mean, there's so many things I learned from him, but I think those are the ones that stick out that could apply to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and just, you know, I think that the big thing for me is, you know, whether you're an official mentorship program or you just know people like you can learn something from everyone, you know, whether they're at a higher level than you or a lower level than you, or they're an assistant coach and you're a head coach or the opposite, or they're a volunteer, or they're just someone who plays tennis, you know, or someone who's a coach. And I mean, some of my best friends and mentors have been coaches of other sports at the institutions that I've been at. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been so blessed to have, um, you know, coaches that are all just, every coach is really good at certain things. Every coach has an identity, just like every player has an identity. And if you know what, if you can just listen to someone enough and get to what they are really good at Mm -hmm. and really, and really take the time to learn about that, you can glean so much from every person that you're around. Um, And I think that that's just, that's the way to become great is to be a tenacious learner. and, And especially, you know, to learn from experiences like we talked about, but also to learn from people, um, you know, and build those genuine relationships with people and be vulnerable and, and share. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to share their successes, which is good. You, you should do that. Um, but also just to share your failures. Like, I think I screwed this up. All right. You know, I think, I don't know if that went the way I wanted it to. Um, because chances are that someone's been in that situation um, and you can have a really open and, and productive conversation that, that benefits the both of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you definitely, uh, walk the talk. You, you're, you're not just saying you're a tenacious learner. I know you are, you, you've signed up for pretty much everything we offer from a coach education perspective. I know you listen to all the podcasts and, um, I, I um, uh, yeah, I've been so impressed with, with you and your approach to just, really seeking out opportunities to learn every chance you get, whether it's going to our conventions, whether it's signing up for the mentorship program, the coach up program, you even traveled to the NCAA D1 championships in Illinois last year to soak that in, to meet people, to pick their brains. Um, you know, you know, what are you hoping to get out of all these experiences and how have they been been beneficial to you as a coach? And that's a tough question, you know, to to, to summarize in a succinct way because uh, sure. there's probably things you've just absorbed that you haven't even you know recognized has come from a conversation or something like that. But is there, you know, firstly, why are you willing to go that extra mile? And secondly, what are some of those things that you've really gained from those experiences? Yeah, I it's an excellent question. Um, I mean, number one, the obvious answer is I just love the game and I love learning and I can't get enough of it. I haven't been able to get enough of it since I was six years old. Um, And I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. Um, So just anytime I can be around the game and around people who love the game and share my passion, Mm -hmm. um, it's it's fuel. Um, I think the other thing is um, we all want our athletes to want to go the extra mile. We all want our athletes to have that love for the game, to want to get better, 
to, to have that just desire, that burning desire for self-improvement. Um, and I think as a coach, the first way that you, that you get that out of your athletes is by modeling it yourself mm -hmm. and consistently modeling it and showing it every day, how, how I'm expecting you to work to be better. I'm expecting you to come back tomorrow, a better person than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also need to be doing that every single day. Um, and, and so that's just living a life of, you know, true leadership is modeling a life that you want for those that you're leading. Um, and so at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a lot about that. It's a lot about, um, you know, the world is always changing. Um, everything, uh, tennis is changing. Athletics is changing. Coaching is changing. Um, and always just working to stay present. And what is the, what does coaching look like right now? What is it? What, what do I need to be right now? Mm. Um, because something that worked last year, um, may not work next year. Um, and there are right certain things that will hopefully always work. I think, uh, I think if empathy, caring, um, a passion to improve that stuff always works. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but a lot of the details and how you go about it will always be changing. And, and just so, um, you know, what am I hoping to get out of these experiences is to always see what, um, I, I want to be the best, right. I, it's, I want to be the best. So how can I learn from someone who's better than me at something? Um, I think it's, uh, um, I think another thing is learning that there are many ways to be successful at this. Um, and that, uh, you know, just because you're not doing things the way that other people are doing them. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It means that you're being true to yourself. Um, yeah, I think it's also just, uh, you know, continuing to be around. I, I've already said this, but continuing to be around people who love the game allows you to stay in the game longer because it supports your passion. Um, you know, it's being around like-minded people is fuel and it's energy and it's, um, it's just motivation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so to generalize, right. That's, I, that's, I think why I continue to do it and, and what it, what it does for me in a more general sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously specifically speaking, it, it, it's just identifying, identifying, you know, these are my strengths, you know, knowing who you are and knowing what your strengths are, like what has held me back from being as good as I can be. And what's, what's the best use of my time of how to, how to make some progress in that area. Yeah. Excellent. So we're going to take a hard left turn here, Ryan. And, sure. and uh, yeah. you recently shared with me that you were, were diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. Can you tell us a little bit how about that diagnosis came about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so um, also, I do want to say that this is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so, um, you know, a big passion of mine in my life has just been mental health. I, I mean, I studied psychology. I um, I've actually worked in, in mental health, um, before I was a coach and, and some, some during my time as a coach. And so, um, you know, I think it's important for, uh, coaches to always be working on themselves and their, their mental health. Um, just like we would ask of our, of our athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, to be honest, the way, the way it came about is that, um, you know, I was just, especially off the court, I was falling into some certain small patterns in my life that were, um, frustrating and keeping me from being the best version of myself. Um, you know, as I'm always striving to be, 
and uh, you know, and and as it is the case often with people, is you know, I, I waited until there were consequences for it um, in my life to to actually do something about it. But it, it, there was a point where I just got you know frustrated that I, I felt like I was you know better than some of the things you know. It's just some of the self care things, some of the off the court things that um, that I just needed. You know, I needed to reach out and and, and get some help for it. Um, and you know, I think that. Um, it's been such a positive experience for me, just number one, learning about myself, learning things about, oh, this, this really makes sense why I struggle with this or why I'm so good at this. Um, because, uh, ADHD does have a lot of positives. Um, once you learn about it and you understand it, um, you know, I think Simon Sinek calls it a superpower, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, but also just why, why is it, why is it a struggle for me to do this or why? Am I not as good at this as I maybe could be? Mm. Um, and and so um, it's been such a positive experience for me. And also just, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it, it just, it came about from that journey of just being willing to go on that journey of self-growth and, and self-building self-awareness, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not being afraid of learning more about yourself. Um, that's, that's how it came about. Um, you know, it, it, it came at a, you know, at an interesting time during the middle of the season. So, um, a lot of it has just been processing, okay, well, you know, what does this mean for me and how do I, mm-hmm. um, you know, how can I continue to make myself, um, the best person that I can be, um, for myself first, but also for, um, my family, friends, my student athletes, my department. Um, yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah, no, it, it did for sure. I definitely have some follow-ups because I do, I mean, I was hired as a head coach at 28 at, at a high level. And, and um, you know, again, I do worry about head coaches hired in their 20s. We all mature at different times. We have different sets of experiences and things like that. Uh, and we all handle pressure differently and, and put pressure on ourselves in different ways. And, and I definitely would not have had the self-awareness you had at 28. I had to go through a lot of uh, difficult things to, to come out the other end of it um, in a much better place and much, much greater self-awareness and understand how to take care of myself because I wouldn't have spent even a moment uh, worrying about how to take care of myself. It's, it's just go, go, go. And so how, how do you believe or, or how might you recommend coaches recognize when things are a little bit off um you know and and be honest with themselves that something's a little bit off here and then what resources is there anywhere you'd point them or as a starting point or advice as to who they might talk to at least to get the ball rolling in a different direction yeah i I, absolutely i think um you know the way the way to identify if um, it's just, you know, are you falling in the patterns that you're not happy about or any patterns that are keeping you from being the best version of yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, are you falling into patterns where, man, I, you know, this is, this is one of them. I, I'll give the example of, of, I love being active. I love being an athlete. I still think of myself as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I'm at my best, I am doing something active every day you know, it's whether it's pick up basketball in the mornings or playing in a tennis league or going to the gym and, and working out or, you know, I, you know, when I'm at my best, I'm doing that every day. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point in the season where 
it, you know, we all think we don't have time, but I, I could have had time and I just wasn't doing it. And it yeah. was frustrating me. Why am I not doing this? Um, and so, or, you know, falling into a pattern of negativity or falling into a whatever it, right. Or falling into a pattern where I'm not eating enough or sleeping enough or being brilliant with those basics of, of a human being of self-care. Or, mm-hmm. Um, why am I not enjoying going on a walk with my dog as much? Um, just like being honest and identifying, why is this changed? Mm-hmm. Why is this something about me that used to be different and it's not anymore? Or, or maybe it's something I just wish was different. It never has been. Um, I, you know, identifying that, and it doesn't have to be huge things. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, I mean, you don't have to wait until there are consequences to your life or your, you know, whatever. Um, and then from there, it's about a, just nobody pays attention to when you're having the HR meeting, when you get hired and they're talking about your resources that are available, but pay <laughs> attention. Um, cause that was very helpful to me. Mm. Um, and, uh, but just knowing where to go as a, you know, cause it's probably going to be a different process than what your student athletes go through. Cause we all, we all definitely pay attention to that. Where do my student athletes need to go if they need help? Mm-hmm. You know, as coaches, we're naturally selfless people and, and we know what our student athletes need, but the part of being selfless is making sure that you're taking care of yourself first. So you can be the best version of you for your student athletes. And, you know, if it takes you thinking about it that way to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. I think that's so important. Um, and so I think that's number one, just, you know, if you can go through a system yeah. that's already there for you, I, I think that's, that's where you start. That's the simplest way to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, removing as many barriers as possible is very important. Um, especially if you're someone like me with ADHD, um, you know, but whatever you're going through, I think it's also just um, the, the hardest piece is the vulnerability, vulnerability piece um, of, finding people that you trust and and just sharing with them what, man, I, you know, I used to love working out. Why am I not doing this anymore, man? Mm. Like what, what is, what's, you know, and, and just allowing them, just having a conversation about it, being, being willing to talk through it with people, because chances are that, um, especially your coaching friends, right there, and it doesn't have to be, but especially your coaching friends are probably going through many of the similar things you're going through. For sure. Um, and, and, um, you know, and, and supporting each other through that, helping each other with, you know, whether it's accountability or just game. Well, man, when I'm on the road, I do this and it really works. It, it's a small thing, but it helps me or, you know, um, you know, I struggled with that. And one thing that helped me out of it was this. And, mm-hmm. and, and so um, the, the last thing, the last thing I want to say, and I, I just can't stress this enough is um, exercise is not a cure. Um, for anything, but it helps everything. Um, I think just we are all athletes at heart. Um, all of us coaches were were an athlete at some point in our lives, and we all have that that yearning desire. Um, and it doesn't have to be perfect. That's the thing that stopped me for a while. Was like, you know, I was doing such a good job of my, in my training. Like I had these goals, and then I, I accomplished the goals, and I'm like, I lost some of the motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that like just getting active, getting your heart rate going, um, it's really good neurologically. Um, it doesn't have to be goal oriented. It, it certainly helps if it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it also helps if you do it with people. Like that's why every Friday morning I play pickup basketball with the athletic staff here because, um, I know people, number one, are counting on me for numbers. <laughs> um, but number two, it's a, it's, it, 
really gets me going. It's such a good workout, but it also is that social piece, um, builds connection. Um, I have never once regretted getting up, you know, getting up an hour early, um, to go play pickup basketball. Um, and it, and there's so many ways you can be active and I encourage people to be active in different ways and get out of their comfort zone and play a sport you've never played or try an activity you've never done. If I hate running, but you know, like if I run once a week, um, it's really good for me and it, I always feel good after it. And, and so that's, I, I mean, that's the number one resource that's in your control that I think everyone should be really prioritizing in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, um, but yeah, just paying attention to resources, being vulnerable, reaching out to p- the people that you trust that, you know, maybe in a, that can at least understand what your situation is like. They know you well enough for their in a similar situation. Um, yeah. Yeah. But just, and just keep asking, like, and keep trying to, trying to work on solutions. If, if you try something and it doesn't work, you can't give up on yourself because, um, you know, that's the most important thing is you. So, mm-hmm. well, thank you, Ryan, for, for sharing that and for being vulnerable with me and vulnerable with, with our audience as well. Absolutely. Um, the, you know, coaches, I keep telling them they're, they're not alone. We're all feeling similar things and struggling in our different ways. And it's easy, especially during the season, just to go into your own cave or bubble and, and kind of um, forget about everything for your own self-care, forget about your family, your friends, uh, what you need to be, like you said, to be the best version of yourself. And so, um, so yeah, again, hopefully coaches take that to heart as they gear up for, for the next year, the next uh, season. But we're going to go into our rapid fire round. Ryan, is there a book, passage, quote, video, podcast that's had a major impact on you as a young coach? Yes. So um, I have one of each. Um, okay. obviously this podcast, um, when I first started, I, I, you know, I felt very alone as a coach. It was like COVID. I knew nobody in the profession. I was barely 22 years old. Um, and these podcasts, like I learned so much each time I had so much fun. I re-listened to some of them. Um, you know, as much as I love hearing you talk, Dave, it's more about, you know, what I learned from them and, and what I relearned from them every time I listen. Um, oh. You know, the book, the book is, um, I, I love reading. I love, um, but Chop Wood, Carry Water um, is a book that I, I recommend, number one, everybody read. But I also recommend every team I have reads the book Chop Wood, Carry Water because um, it, it's about the process of, it's just about the process, about how um, becoming the best version of yourself is not a secret. It's not about some sexy, some secret formula. It's mm-hmm. not complicated. It's just about hard work, consistency, focusing on the things in your control, keeping a good attitude. Um, and it's a good book. It's, a, it's an easy read. Um, every, every student athlete I've ever had has, has found many positives from that book and has encouraged, you know, and, and been thankful that we read the book. Um, my favorite video, it's a very short video. It's on YouTube. Encourage everyone to go look at it. Um, it's from the guy that runs the Savannah Bananas. Um, and it's, it's great leaders are great repeaters. Um, I I think leadership is about knowing your values, knowing what, what's important and, and sharing that every single day. You don't need to rewrite the motivational book. Um, you don't need to come up with something crazy new all the time. Um, it's about consistency and the great teams, sports, life, whatever. Um, they know, they know who they are. They know, um, you know, they know what's important. They know what they're, 
what their basics are to be successful is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my two favorite quotes, I've already said one, be brilliant with the basics um, in life, in your personal life, in athletics. I mean, in tennis, the simple stuff wins mm-hmm. so often. Um, and um, keep your mind where your feet are. Uh, you know, it, being present is one of the most undervalued things and one of the hardest things now in our generation where um, yeah. it's so easy to, to get caught into an electronic world, to be in future thinking, to be in past thinking. But the true way to live a fulfilled life is to live a life in the present moment. So keep your mind where your feet are. Excellent. So do you have a favorite drill you do at your team? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I really work on getting them to play with intention. So um, as much as I love directionals, and I would have loved to say like 500 direction, different directional drills, mm-hmm. um, really the, my favorite thing to do with my team is um, to put them in, simul- in, in match play situations with, with rules or stipulations or, or specific goals um, of just making sure that um, we're really building awareness and identifying the things that they need to do on the court to be successful. Um, and, and again, that's, that's a lot of that present moment focus. Um, what's in my control in this situation? Um, you know, if it's, if it's doubles, like, um, you know, we need to be making 70% of first serves. So, um, you know, if you miss more than however many first serves in a, in a, in a game, you lose the game, right. Or, um, if your team needs to bring their targets in a little bit, like, you know, if you miss wide on an outside ball, you lose the game, um, and making it harder than a match. And, and really putting constraints on them that force their, um, force their focus, force their problem solving to come out, mm-hmm. um, force them to respond to adversity over and over again. Um, we, we just have countless numbers of those and, and we really will, will tailor it to whether it's the themes we see as a team or what I see with individuals, um, you know, what barriers they need to overcome or ways, ways they need to grow. So that's really kind of the, the, it's not necessarily a drill, but it's a staple of our program. And I think something that um, really is essential to player development. Right. What is your favorite coaching memory today in your few years of coaching? Do you have one? Is there anything that stands out? Yeah, I think um, I've got some recency bias on this one, um, sure. but I think it's good timing. But, uh, you know, our first round uh, conference win this year against Northern Kentucky, um, we had lost to them the week before 4-3. Uh, seven, six in the third on a match point ace in the tie break. Um, so about as close as you can get, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the week before, but uh, the memory is not really about the win itself. It's just about how the team came together and played with belief that whole week that they could turn it around, you know, because the next day we knew we were going to play them again right. um, in the tournament. And um, each student athlete, like they played with belief, they competed each day in practice and the week leading up to, um, you know, for each other and with intention and with an understanding that if we did what we, we knew we needed to do, we could, we could be successful. And, and, um, specifically to watch my fifth year senior, um, turn around a match that, you know, was probably, um, by her accounts, one of her more disappointing matches the first time around, um, to watch her be down, you know, a set in a a set in one, four and, to see her determination, um, her present moment focus, to watch her turn that match around to clinch for us, um, to see the, just the pure joy on the team. And, and it's kind of, it was kind of a confirmation of who we are and everything that we had been working on all year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to, again, leave with that feeling of like, man, our mission, um, our value system, our priorities worked. Mm-hmm. And, and um, to see the, you know, that. Um, the other thing is just anytime one of my student athletes sets a goal and they accomplish it, um, and to see them give them all their all for that goal and to see them fight through adversity for that goal. Um, like those memories will stick with me for the rest of my life. Um, and they inspire me. So. Yeah. Excellent. You know, this is the rapid fire round, Ryan, right? Yeah, I know. I, know. I thought you'd listen to this podcast. All right. What, what is one thing you'll do in the next 12 months to ensure you are a better coach 12 months from now? This is the best question you've ever asked. Um, <laughs> And I'm going to choose now to actually listen to you and be succinct. Um, <laughs> continuing every day to wake up with the mindset of a tenacious learner, um, of setting a goal for each area um, personally, and then also as your as your program, set a goal with each with each thing, and and then showing up every day with an intention to learn about how I can accomplish that goal, and 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 then keeping your why in mind and your mission. Um, I think if you always have your why in mind you're always going to keep getting better as a person and as a, and in your profession. Well, Ryan, uh, you know, su- super impressed with you have been for the last few years. I'm so excited to see where your career goes. I mean, I think you're the same age I was when I started my coaching career. And if I had been on this podcast, my, the answer to these questions would have just been awful. And it's just astonishing to me, the amount of self-awareness you do have, the clarity that you have, um the the journey that you're on to just continue to get better again um you're 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 following through with with what you say i know what you've shared here um you know people could say oh it's easy to talk that you're you're following through with it every day so um i know you're gonna have an extremely bright future in this profession and and glad uh the ita is has been uh, a part of that journey especially getting you started here and hope other coaches your age take advantage of the type of resources that that you have here at the ita so so well done to you and and uh keep at it yeah i'm just so grateful dave i'm grateful for you number one um you're an excellent person a and, and b an excellent um representative of college tennis and um b i'm just so grateful for everyone i've been around and my student athletes and grateful to be doing this there's nothing i'd rather do so uh thank you for having me and uh yeah i just i hope i hope that this could be helpful and and, um people can learn from my experiences no doubt they will thank you ryan bye-bye thanks dave